I, I have mine, but mine. mine's on. Well, hold on. Is it on down disturb? No. No. It's See, definitely Cal? not. Okay, so we got to do like every every Thank time you. we do the check. Do do we look okay? Is our yeah. hair okay? Um, are the mics okay? are the mics on? Oh, there we go. Now we can. Are hear. the mics on? What's our topic? And are the phones off? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's her checklist. Although I feel like Kev's a little crooked, but that's fine. All what, right, let's get to it. Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com, episode 59. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill. Kevin Butler. Michael Turksani. Where did I get that wrong, Cam? No? Pretty good. Well, I don't, 60. I don't think it's 59. Yeah. 60. We turned 60 today. Yeah. Um, 68? Holy moly. All right. <laughs> I'm 70. Uh, we're back in the, in the podcast studio. Yay. Feels good. Yeah. yeah. London, England. The tube. No. Toronto. We're not. We're not in we're London, not in London, England. England. No. That would be nice, though. Yeah. yeah. Your Robin's going to London, England soon. That's true. Oh. But, but today I'm not. Yeah. This is pretty cool. Like, I can't... You guys are three-dimensional. I didn't realize you were three-dimensional. It's been a while <laughs> since we've done this in person. Oh, it's been a while. I wonder what episode Cam would last. know. Cam would know. Probably double. It'd be kind of cool if it was double. Yeah, somewhere in the 30s before we were here. So we're double vaxxed. Things, and things have changed. Yeah. What do you mean? Things have changed in the world yes. since we were back in the in the office back in March 2020. Oof, the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Marketing has changed. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. But we're still doing our podcast. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how some of that change is, uh, is affecting attribution. Good topic. This was Chris's topic because uh, he's been closing a lot of deals lately and he wants to take credit for them all. <laughs> so he's trying to figure out, you know, how to best run his reporting and cut everyone out of the equation. Yeah. Now, as good marketers, we all know it's entirely because of marketing. So we're just not going to let him have the attribution. Yeah. yeah. That was the reason for this topic. <laughs> That's right. I love how sales and marketing here are sitting across the table yeah. and the we battle are, has begun. No, no, no. We are aligned. He yeah. just agreed with, yeah. Yeah, with marketing. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, attributions changed because of some of the, the tweaks to uh, first-party data coming up and uh, going cookie list. So why don't we talk first just a little bit about what attribution means so who wants to kick that off robin jonah sure so when i think about uh, marketing attribution it's the ability to really understand when you're looking at your closed deals Mm. uh being able to understand where they came from where they started from who actually drove them um and what were all the the steps in the channels uh, that were taken to lead to that close. Um, so you want to be able to say that, you know, this X percent of our revenue or our deals mm-hmm. were actually uh, driven from this particular uh, marketing channel, a first touch uh, channel or maybe last touch. 
Um, but it's being able to understand the implication of your marketing activities and the results from your from your sales perspective. That's my take on yeah. attribution. Okay, great. Um, when I think of attribution, there's it's it's really interesting now in 2021 and moving forward. The the buyer journey is unique and different for every lead and customer. No mm. one really takes the same path, even if it's the same collection of touches or activities. Um, or interactions with an organization. And so that makes it challenging, one, to understand what's required in those touches, uh, even how long they take in between touches and that general sales cycle. Mm -hmm. But I think probably the most important thing now is understanding there's the sort of the original source of the, the lead. And then there's what was the marketing initiative, sales initiative? What was that that thing that happened that really drove it forward? Because it might not always be where it originated mm, that's true i was looking at even um some of our opportunities and one deals over the years and mm -hmm. there was a number of um financial institution organizations that we now work with where we had actually sourced originally uh the very first touch two years prior at a, at a trade show right it just took that long to either cultivate or for their needs to really blossom into something that we can solve for so i think there's a number of factors in there mm -hmm. When you think about attribution of you know original source versus um i don't know what kind of moved it forward in a meaningful way yeah i like that chris what's your take so understanding that attribution is important because that sort of helps to um to to plan and strategize around the things that have worked that will you know that that have been working mm -hmm. that sort of help to plan what's what we should do going forward so um like for example, to Kev's point, um, you know, I was thinking about some of the of the opportunities that you know eventually put their hands up. So we mm -hmm. were nurturing them through a go-to-market program. We um, were they were consuming our um, our emails or consuming our newsletters. Um, you know, in some cases, consuming uh, some of our webinars. You know, getting sort of familiar with us until eventually they had a, a need that that they realized we could fill, mm. and that was because of the branding that we were doing, the education that we were doing, and that led to the hand going up, which is when you know we can we can uh, you know jump on that opportunity and and sort of um, you know walk them through the walk them through through the process. So understanding that that um, level of education and 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 uh, awareness development mm -hmm. is so is so important. Sometimes that's missed. So what's happening today a lot is understand like trying to understand exactly how it is that a, a marketing program be put together, how exactly to sort of set up your um, your your marketing plan in alignment with sales so that you can, you know, continue to, to refine and, and develop that uh, that go-to-market program in such a way that it's got the right balance of, of branding and, uh, and um, you know, connection with the customer. What's challenging in, in that branding and awareness stage, if you think of, you know, your classic sales funnel, mm. sales and marketing funnel, is some of it's measurable and some of it's not. And I think one of the things that's happened, particularly in digital marketing over the years, is the ability to measure everything. If you think of like a standard keyword campaign, you really can kind of get a sense of cost per direct. click, cost per conversion, cost per customer. And yeah, it's like that direct response marketing. Mm -hmm. I think branding and awareness is interesting, particularly when you think of a go-to-market. And Robin's awfully familiar with um, our insurance go-to-market, but some of it's measurable. We can collect a number of leads at a trade show and we can mm -hmm. measure how many of them are good. 
but then there's other things that we do to be relevant in the market, to contribute to the community there that we can't measure. Mm -hmm. We're very pro-marketing at this company, and mm -hmm. I recognize some of the organizations out there listening or ones that we even work with, they don't give marketing the same sort of pass. So they want to be able to see and attribute. We yeah, sponsored yeah. this, I don't know, award show in a particular industry. Like, what does that get us? And mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone can authentically say, well, I think it gets you this. It is tough. And I, when I think of attribution, you know, it's maybe the from, from the, the people writing the checks, right? I think you look at, it's it's easy to look at these channels individually and say, well, what is LinkedIn getting us, or what is Google getting us, or what is you know Facebook or our email programs getting us? And I think you talked about you know these multi touches or just how all these things are working together. And I think it's it's so easy to look at one of those and say, well, let's shut it down. It's not mm -hmm. doing anything, right? And when I look at the ability to say, well, we've got so much revenue that closed in this year against a total marketing spend like that's a really good one to look at to mm -hmm. say okay we, we can see the ratio overall and then i think to your point being able to couple into that and you know 30 percent of that revenue or 50 percent of that revenue actually came from stuff we did you know potentially originated a couple of years ago that really helps mm -hmm. you know sell that that story of yeah that branding that uh participation in the community goes a long way to future to future revenue. I just, when I, when I think of like the, the chat, the conversations we get into with clients or, you know, even ourselves on spend, right. It's, it's kind of always comes down to like, well, what are we getting out of that thing? Or, you know, or is this going to move the needle from a revenue right now perspective? And I think being able to put your, put your data in place in such a way that you can identify these were, these were opportunities that are really driven from marketing programs from a while ago. And then I think that informs your your strategy to say if we if we had near term revenue like people that raised their hand on a Google keyword search or mm -hmm. on a direct response more on a direct response basis can we ramp those types of campaigns up is it possible because within a calendar year you're going to want to hit targets right so it's all good to be driving lead flow that close in a future year mm -hmm. but you also need to close revenue. Within a, within an existing year, so those are two different strategies, you know, that that were really important, especially if you can measure your pipeline that way. I definitely think some of your pipelines measurable. I was reading, um, I think I was listening to an interview um, with the marketing leader over at Gong Gong.io, hmm. and he had an interesting comment. I kind of think we would veer towards this as well, which is there should be a percentage of your um, marketing budget that's not attributable. Meaning mm -hmm. that that goes to brand and awareness, and and he was pretty like uh, direct and vocal about we don't know how to measure it, we don't even bother. I can't remember the number exactly; it might have been ten to fifteen percent of the budget. Mm -hmm. The rest of it goes into more programmatic, whether it's LinkedIn trade shows, and they have ways to say, okay, did a trade show or maybe not trade show in in, this, in these times, mm -hmm. but we we did a program and we can see what we got from it. We can yeah. measure it. And so I, I think that's probably the right balance and every organization might have different weightings behind that. But that makes a lot of sense to me because in a lot of industries, particularly on complex and long sales cycles, you have to just be there to have the credibility to get the lead in the first place. And generally, if you show up as the new hot player with these things, mm -hmm. you don't have the same credibility and, and sort of reputation required to drive that conversation forward. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's something we were talking about uh, before we officially kicked off the podcast, sort of the um, difference between that brand awareness and that intent. Mm. And, you know, part of the, mm. you know, one of the things, Kev, you said is, you know, the, one of the great things about uh, digital marketing is there's so much you can measure. And, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, there was almost the mantra that we can actually measure everything. But now here in this discussion, we're saying, well, actually, when we're talking about uh, brand awareness, you can't necessarily measure everything, but you're going to have to take a leap of faith and say it's worthwhile the investment because it is driving things we can't necessarily measure. So let's just be comfortable with that and focus on the areas where we can measure. And that's a lot more mm -hmm. in the intent or the hand raising, Chris, that that you've talked about. And that is the more measurable um, aspect. And you think about that from the hand raising perspective, there are so many ways that you can see that hand being raised in, in so many different ways. And that's where you want to really focus on mm -hmm. saying, that's where I can measure and that's where I'm going to focus my attribution. So mm. the I word, because I'm glad you brought that up, because um, <laughs> that's really where I think a lot of this is going. And yeah. I, I said this to a number of clients, and um, I, I think largely they all agree, but some of them have this uh, semi-visceral reaction where they say, oh, there's just no way I can float that to my CEO. Mm -hmm. And I say, like, you only have two metrics that matter. It's the number of um, viable, valid, legitimate opportunities created and the number of opportunities closed or, or revenue won. That's it. Everything else are indicators. And you, mm -hmm. you can't you can't go to your CEO and say, I drove mm -hmm. 50 MQLs. He or she will say, so? How many of them are opportunities? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the real number and the starting point. Um, but the I were or intent, this is really, it, and we're seeing it a lot. And I think marketers in 2021, 2022, and, and beyond, their roles now, I think it's going to be assumed that you are deploying levels of brand and awareness across all your programs in the industries and over the TAM that you need to. Mm -hmm. What's really going to make or break good from bad marketers are ones that can really go and understand levels of intent. And perhaps intent itself, whether it's first party, third party, that's, that's another podcast down the road. Um, but I think at a really high level, a really good marketer is going to be able to say, the following actions that we've been able to uncover, be it from the source of the lead or the kinds of behaviors we're able to still uh, monitor and track, this is indicative of a lead that's super engaged. We know enough about mm -hmm. them to say, sales now, this is worth your time. And when you could actually call this a, a viable sales opportunity, mm -hmm. that's really it in a nutshell. And whether it's forms you have on your website or some other data you've managed to procure that, that suggests this, it's gonna be stringing together that data to really tell that story. I think that's where the trend of marketing is now going. Yeah, I agree. Why don't we talk about source versus touched a little bit, or do you, did you want to weigh in on this one, Chris? Well, the only thing I was gonna I was gonna add to what Kevin was saying is that the 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 you know we, we sort of coined this term uh, one of our uh, previous podcast as well, the realization funnel, right? Mm -hmm. Like as opposed to the sales funnel, the realization funnel basically gives you a sort of a look at those that could be customers or could be, um, could be someday closes, yep. but there's no budget or timeline that's mm -hmm. identified. Mm -hmm. Used to be, I would have 10 or 15, like a, like a small number of, of pipeline, um, of pipeline accounts because I needed to have timeline and I needed to have budget. If I didn't have those two things, the old yep. Bant thing, if I didn't have Bant, Bant. I, I, yep. I didn't have, I wasn't talking to anybody about it. I wouldn't be bringing it, I wouldn't bring it up. 
Mm-hmm. Now <laughs> it's a much different it's a much different thing because if somebody already has a budget and a and a uh, timeline, you're probably out of the deal. Mm. It's probably too, you're probably late. You're probably late. Yeah. You're probably late to the deal. So you could still win it. You could steal it, but more than likely, you're too late to the deal. So your pipeline now, your your realization mm-hmm. funnel has got to be much larger, and that's going to be seventy five percent driven by your marketing team. Your marketing team is going to help you kind of get those uh, those you know prospects into the into the funnel before all those all those sort of bant you know identification things have have uh, come to to the ta- to the surface. So yeah. when like you that. say when you say marketing, um, I don't think it's exclusive to the two or three, four people within the marketing team. I, I was actually thinking of this, this, as you were saying, I was thinking it's actually more about like your organization, your reputation and what you stand for. Cause you might have someone in a non-marketing capacity who's building brand and awareness. Perhaps it's in a, in a partnership. Mm-hmm. So it's not really sure. like a marketing program type way, but mm-hmm. it's still getting the name out there. It's associating with the right audiences. It's doing the things you need to do as a company to be in those right spots. So like maybe it's a, uh, partner development or things like that, even channel, because there's a lot of really strong channel managers out there who are building super tight relationships with the right players. And that's every bit as key in my mind as a, a really good marketing campaign. But I think that, I think what you're talking about, Chris, is like, cause you're kind of going more brand and awareness. Uh, like a level, little, right? Yeah. I'm where... just saying marketing's more broad than say the two or three people. Oh yeah. Core yeah. responsibilities are those things. But I think if I understood sort of where Chris was going, he, you were saying that, you know, your pipeline should be a lot larger now. Like, yeah. and, and of course, then you add brand on top and it's even, you know, it's even larger from that sure. perspective that yeah. you've got to be investing in. But the actual number of names and, and, and the activity that you're driving is, is, is um, to your point, like if you want to be there when the need arises, yep. you have to be, you know, in that position. I think that's really good because I think we've, you know, through solutions selling, you know, we've, we've all heard that 10% of your audience is actually active in a deal with a budget and a need identified mm-hmm. and they're ready to go, right? So really most of the market isn't. I think um, when we talk about source versus touch, if we want to switch gears a little bit to that, I think it's hard to pick channels because everybody's fighting for the same mm-hmm. bit of revenue, right? They're saying, hey, we want to go do programmatic display and, you know, we won all those deals, and they're, they're, they're kind of attributing all like their, their spend to the full revenue. And then whoever's running your Google is doing the same thing. And there's all this crossover that's occurring essentially. And, um, I think that's where you were going with source versus touch to whereas if yeah. you can actually measure, measure where it came from. So why don't you go in a bit on that? Um, sure. One comment I had before I, um, that I sort of wanted to, to eke out is I think you can look at things individually on these highly measurable digital channels, but often what's not taken into account is um, we look at them as sort of single silo mm-hmm. channels, but they all kind of play a role together. So yes. to just remove one of the links, we're not doing Google anymore because we didn't see anything there, but we're doing all LinkedIn now. We're exactly. switch over all the budget. And I don't think it's as clear or black and white as we will just go with the one that works. Like in the conversations rarely have a, well, what does the bigger picture look like of this go-to-market and strategy, recognizing they all play a role in that. And so that's, that's the first thing I think of where I'm like, and I don't know how to actually truly articulate it or display it in a way that everyone says, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. But I think it's <laughs> marketing isn't uh, the promotion of brand or service across a channel. 
it's a much bigger value proposition and story told across all of the channels you can yeah, I think for it, your I audience. Th yeah, exactly. And I think it goes back to this ability to, to you know, have the right type of people or resources to run the attribution to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're just looking at, you know, last touch and the revenue that came in off of a channel, then it's not telling the full story. So there's a lot of, you know, I guess, sophistication to some degree to be able to pull all that together and be able to say, well, mm -hmm. we, you know, we do have some deduplication work, you know, to be done here. And, and actually these ones were really and truly, you know, channel specific and only channel specific and there was no crossover but the but these other ones are like you know we're having we're having multi-touch all over the place between the channels that we're running uh so i think being able to do that helps mm -hmm. tell that story right and i think yeah. if you're if you're not leveraging the digital programs in such a way that give you that um ability to even have multi-touch like maybe you're not doing remarketing or you're mm -hmm. not doing cross-channel uh, lookalikes or, or the ability to sort of market to your customers on different channels, then, you know, likely you're at a disadvantage anyway, because you're just looking at like one thing and one thing only. But even within that, I think you could, you can still pull out numbers that suggest, you know, this conversion came 180 days ago, they were at the website. Mm -hmm. So then it starts to give you a sense of, oh, okay. Not everybody right. wants to actually <laughs> deal with the the other 90% though, eh? Like, like, no, we know, there, there are some that just <laughs> give me that 10% that's like, that's interested in doing something mm -hmm. now. And it's like, they'll just like pour it all into, um, into, to Google ads. And, and that's where they're, that's, that's the full marketing budget because all they want to do is they want to get that keyword in there. They want the, the, the prospect to kind of enter that in because that means that they are, and they're going to have a, you know, a, probably have a decent closing rate, but now, well, anyways, I don't want to get into the maybe. whole Google thing right now, but <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe they maybe they will. But it's such a huge flight risk in my mind. Mm -hmm. For for one thing, you probably don't achieve the scale and velocity of sales yes. by by going solely hard on, on one channel or one yeah. tactic. The other thing from a, a business risk perspective is what happens if those rails, which you don't control, change? What if Google changes the algorithm and then all of a sudden you're just right. wiped out on a month that you become yeah. very reliant on a single mm -hmm. source like it's ideally you you diversify mm -hmm. the sources in which you engage your audience and hopefully pull in leads so that if ever google does do a, a switch up an algorithm change or whatever you're not hit quite as hard and thus your sales team are all of a sudden going from overfed to starved right that would be the worst case scenario i think yeah. and i was just thinking about that conversation from another perspective when you're thinking about uh intent right so obviously if you're thinking about ppc and you're thinking about where you are in the funnel and that intent being really clear. Mm -hmm. But I think of, uh, you know, I think, you know, um, you know, I don't want to say smarter markers, but maybe more advanced marketers um, who are going to be looking at this concept of intent where it's going to be a little bit broader, right? So you're able to look further up the funnel mm -hmm. um, and maybe there's, maybe there's less, that maybe there's less competition there because if there's such a huge percentage that are focused on those more, uh, you know, cl you know, closer to close ones. Mm -hmm. But if you have the ability to step back and say, you know what, I'm going to be listening for intent at a higher level up in the funnel, mm -hmm. there's going to be a bigger opportunity. Maybe there's fewer people playing there. Mm -hmm. It's going to make and, you uh, a better uh, sales team. And I think yeah. it, it, a lot of it, you know, you know, depends It'll illustrate. It'll dictate your messaging, right? In terms of oh, sure, right. If yeah. you want to, if you want to draw people in, you sort of look at well, 
what problems might they have in the future? What's the type of, you know, mm -hmm. you start to like really inform your messaging strategy. So if you say, you know, we're a, a basement renovation company, well, you know, you don't just make a decision to renovate your, unless you're like, like you said, in the market, budget mm -hmm. qualified, ready to go. But, you know, maybe it's next year, maybe it's mm -hmm. two years from now, but you're, you know, you're running ads constantly with some sort of challenge, which might be, you know, the timing around getting it done is, uh, is always kind of like a concern for, for homeowners, right? right? So you pick that thing and then you run, you run with it because you know that that's the type of top of funnel brand awareness that's going to eventually draw people mm -hmm. when they're ready. Do you know, so. that's an interesting metric to measure. Mm -hmm. uh, this would be hard. If you looked at all of your one deals over a period of time, mm -hmm. a quarter, a year, and you said, how many of them were, um, what you call in market deals, yes. i.e., you were yep. you were pinned against two or three comparable service or solutions, mm -hmm. and how many were? Um, I've heard of you. I remember that ad from last year. And there wasn't really competition. It was like mm -hmm. if I if I do this thing, I'm doing it with you, yep. or I just don't do it all. Rob and I were talking about that yeah. this morning, actually, because yeah, I was thinking about uh, you know the the ones that I can I can I could rhyme off, uh, you know, deals where uh, the hand got raised off of a you know a, a newsletter or an email hand gets raised and the point was that the person had been consuming our stuff for years right. it's it's it actually shows that your your sort of go to market mm -hmm. is actually working more than just yeah. um, really targeted programmatic we um at our previous or we were on the forester wave for for technology, right? So you're deemed as one of the, the top 10 leaders. Mm -hmm. So naturally you're invited to every RFP uh, for that particular solution because they say, well, let's just bring all of the leaders together and then we'll start vetting them from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can't really say, well, our go-to-market's really working because you're just identified in that group. So, but you're in a bake-off every time. Right. Whereas we weren't in, that, in those kinds of deals, right. we weren't sourcing it from the ground up because they're just plugged in, they're right. engaged. And some of that's measurable, some of it's not. But in the case, like we we talk about how important it is to get up earlier in the uh, earlier in the funnel, mm -hmm. um, then then what what uh, what you can eventually do, and this is obviously what what our objective potentially could be, is to uh, to have some predict you know predictability. So when we get a PPC lead that comes in, that's like this person is ready to go, mm -hmm. and we can close them. That's good. Like I mean, that's that is good, but. I, I didn't predict that three months ago. Sure. I yeah, didn't let no. you know, hey, that deal's coming in in three months. No. And so it, it puts a lot of pressure on the organization. Whereas if you've got that predictability because you're you're dealing with the 80% of the funnel or the 90% of the funnel in a you know uh, an ongoing way and you're able to leverage the data and mm -hmm. able to personalize that data so mm -hmm. that you're speaking the right language to all the various segments of your TAM then you know basically you're going to be able to say you know what I'm going to be able to roll this kind of revenue each and every month scalability sure. predictability yeah. which is where you know I think we want to be yeah, yeah. and we where we want our customers to be yeah, yeah. okay so Anything else you want to throw on the table for this one? Just maybe one thing, because we didn't quite get to it, which is the, the sourced and intent. I kind of went on a different direction. Oh, yeah, you did. Source um, versus touched. Source versus touch. I'm sorry. Yeah. Intent versus touch. Um, I do think a lot of marketers are, are um, they're very focused on understanding what was that, that original source, Robin, you mentioned it mm -hmm. earlier in this podcast. And I think 
um, touched is interesting too. The one thing though is I, I just don't think marketers will have any credibility if you go to a sales meeting or like a, a management meeting and say, yeah, we touched that deal that closed. We've been really doing a great job. Like I think that's an expectation and sales isn't going to appreciate if, uh, if their deals are sort of claimed by marketing as well, we, we had these fantastic newsletters. Right. Um, so I think it's really about marketing being able to show a level of what came from marketing um, originally that cultivated into a legitimate opportunity. And maybe that takes time and you've, you've got to be able to show that. But that's where marketing builds credibility. And the one thing now we're seeing 100%. predominantly, I would say, in high growth, probably tech companies, more so than other industries, is top marketers are now being held accountable to a level of commit as far as how much pipeline are you contributing from mm -hmm. marketing into our sales pipeline. And then even from there, some of the probably the more um, the higher growth or like faster moving companies, they're probably holding marketing to a level of revenue quota. How much can you commit to? What percentage of our total rev quota can marketing actually source from opportunity creation into revenue one? I've seen 15 to 25% in some cases. You likely have resources, talent, and budgets to, to support that. But I think that's where it's going too. And so mm -hmm. when we talked about the I word, the, the intent. So mm -hmm. that's there, being able to figure that out. Because if you can figure that part out, then the sourcing is going to make a lot more sense. Yeah. And most marketing leaders will probably be pretty comfortable saying, well, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable putting a 15% commit on what I do and what I drive into our funnel. Mm -hmm. And if it's any good, sales is probably pretty good with that. Yeah, well, it goes back and then it just ties back into Chris's point about the, the forecasting and the predictability mm -hmm. that really starts at the very top of the funnel. And it take, funnel. I think it takes time. And that's the other comment that you made is that, you know, if you do it right, then you've get, you, you have a snowball. You have a pouring over that's into it. your pipeline of deals that you can forecast and you can understand them. But if you're coming in and you're building a program or you're building an apartment, you know, you're not going to be able to show a lot in six months. You might be able to tackle, you know, the 10% in market, mm -hmm. you know, really test that messaging out. Make sure, and then you, mm -hmm. but when you think of the brand messaging, it's a tough conversation to, to, to be able to go to the board or the CEO and say, yeah, we're spending all this money and we've got early indicators of a pipeline growing, but, and we can see some attribution to our TAM, but we're, you know, we're not seeing the revenue yet. Well, and obvious comment because you're right, that's not easy. So in doing that, you're going to find out a lot about that organization mm -hmm. and management as to whether they really believe in marketing and give you enough time to, to ramp up that side of the house. But the other part is you're going to have to be crystal clear as the marketing leader or the would-be marketing leader, how you will show these things, like what the measurement actually is yeah. so that everyone's actually on board with A, what you're doing and B, what you say you're doing in three, six, nine months later. Otherwise, you're probably going to have a lot of uncomfortable meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you'll get. Yeah, wouldn't be good. Put that. <laughs> not, not the fun. <laughs> wouldn't be good. Um, all right. Well, I think that's the a good first uh, podcast back in the studio. We're back in the yeah. studio. We are the back. Podcast studio. You can rent this studio if you want from us. <laughs> We've got a po podcast as a service. But it does come with the Goose Digital logo. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one thing. Can't. Yeah, we can't. We can upsell a customized corporate logo yeah and we can switch the banner out behind kev yeah, right. yeah. um so we're going to be doing this uh every two days we're going to ramp up the volume here wow. ramp up so the yeah focus. Right. So brand awareness just going through yeah. the roof we're going to invest in in deals five years from now 
Okay. Put the investment in up front. No discernible right. way to measure. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's your job. All right. Thanks, everyone. All cool. Right. Cheers. Bye.